You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Rams Nation, what is going on? As always, it is your boy, your host, Sosa Cremendez. I'm a fantasy analyst at Pro Football Focus and your host here at the Locked On Rams podcast, your number one daily podcast covering the Los Angeles Rams and part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Today's episode is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Welcome to another fresh week here, another Monday episode. Man, really, really getting after it now, getting closer to the training camp dog days. Obviously, one week closer to the kickoff of the 2021 NFL season. And before we dive into it, I just wanted to wish you guys a happy 4th of July. Obviously, you're going to be listening to this after the 4th of July, but I'm currently recording this on Sunday, July the 4th. And I'm not American, but I know a lot of you guys are probably having the time of your lives right now, so I'm glad for that. But We're going to dive into this episode now, and hopefully you guys are going to be around and not too hungover to listen to it, or maybe I can get you through that hangover a little bit, because we're going to dive into the wide receiver positional training camp preview slash review slash projection. In this episode, we're going to look at the names at the wide receiver position for the Rams and how they got there. Then in the second segment, we're going to dive into the review of last season and kind of break down some of the changes, obviously. And then in the final segment, dive into the projection for these guys going into next season. So to begin, wide receiver, in my opinion, this spot might be the most interesting spot on the roster as a whole. Now, we do know that, you know, the top two spots are settled and they're kind of etched in stone at this point. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, those guys are the wide receiver 1A and 1B of this team. And there's really no discussion or argument you can have against that, right? They're very solidified in their roles. They're very talented players. And I'm sure they're building a very good chemistry with their new quarterback right now in Matthew Stafford, who who knows what's going to happen with the passing game. Like he could bring a lot to the table that Jared Goff did not. Maybe it's a regression or a downgrade. I don't think anyone expects it to be. But, you know, this passing game is going to look a little bit different. And I tend to think it's going to be more in terms of how they utilize the passing game or the areas of the field that they're attacking as opposed to really anything else. But to begin, we got to look at the names. And obviously, I mentioned Cup and Woods. Those are the one and two receivers. Those are going to be the guys that are going to lead the way in targets and yards and receptions and snaps and all that kind of stuff because they're very multifaceted. They could do a lot of different roles. They're going to be good blockers. They can, you know, motion into the backfield, play as fullbacks, all that kind of stuff. Those guys are going to give you everything you can expect every single week and consistently. After them is really where it starts to get interesting because, you know, there's a discussion for who's going to be the wide receiver three for this team. And I don't know if people tend to agree with me or not, but I believe it's going to be Deshaun Jackson the veteran wide receiver that the Rams signed in free agency this past offseason. And they paid him a decent amount of money for a guy who has not played a lot of football recently. I've mentioned that on this podcast many times, I feel like, to this point. And you don't pay a guy like that, you know, who's 33, 34 years old, that much money, who hasn't been healthy for a couple seasons now, to not play for you. Like, I legitimately think this guy brings a different skill set to the table that the Rams don't have. And I tend to think that, You know, they offered him not only this money and, you know, a chance to go back home to L.A. and finish his career there potentially, but to also get a lot of passes and some playing time and probably from a good quarterback in Matthew Stafford, who's going to fit his skill set a lot better than someone like Jared Goff did. So that to me, I tend to think Deshaun is going to be in line to be the wide receiver three, but I do think it's going to be a bit of a seesaw type of thing where, you know, he might get 55 or 60% of the 
production from that spot in that role. Whereas a guy like Van Jefferson, he'll still rotate in there. He's got his use cases where he's best at, maybe where Jackson isn't, where Jackson might be a better vertical type of receiver. Jefferson might be a better possession style receiver, a guy who's going to be maybe more sure-handed in that 10 to 15 yard range, or a guy that you want to utilize in the red zone or somebody to try and get you that first down on third and seven, whatever that kind of case is. I tend to think that they're going to split a lot of the work at that wide receiver three spot, but I do believe that Deshaun Jackson should have a little bit more of the production or at least usage skewed in his favor as opposed to a guy like Van Jefferson, though I do think that Van Jefferson should still see plenty of time in this offense. And, you know, that takes us into the final receiver spots. And at that point in time, you're talking about the wide receiver five. And I think that's obviously going to be 2-2 Atwell, the number one pick for the Rams this past draft class, the second rounder, the 57th overall pick for the Rams. A jitterbug style of player. If you watched the Rams many years ago and you watched Tavon Austin, you kind of have an idea of what kind of player Tutu Atwell is. Now, they're not very identical. You know, they are a bit different. Tutu Atwell, I think, is maybe a little bit more traditional in the receiver role and less, you know, ankle breaking in the open field than Austin was. But at the same time, I tend to think that this is a guy that. Not going to get that many snaps this year, but the snaps that he does get, he's going to be utilized either as a legitimate weapon on that field or as a very, very good decoy that's going to help open up everything else on the offense. And, you know, those are your top five receivers. I think they all have a legitimate role in this offense. I think they're all going to be key pieces to try and to try and craft this offense to where you want it to be, which is obviously going to be a top 10, top five, top three unit. They don't want to be where they were last year. And ultimately, that's probably why they threw, you know, everything at the kitchen sink at this wide receiver spot to try and get as many good, valuable skill sets and players that are going to be dependable and productive at this spot, probably that they thought they didn't have last year. So, you know, the remaining names, I'm not really sure how many of these guys make the roster, if any of them, or what their roles may be. Probably nothing on the offense, maybe some sort of special teams roles, but you're looking at guys like Tristan Jackson, JJ Koski, Landon Akers, Jeremiah Hadel, all of which were undrafted, and Ben Skoranek, the big-bodied, contested catch style of receiver who was picked in the seventh round by the Rams in this past draft class as well from Notre Dame. So a very interesting group. Obviously, the Rams aren't bringing back Josh Reynolds, who they had last year as their wide receiver three, but outside of that, the wide receiver position is pretty much going to be up for grabs in terms of the production how these guys are used, who plays the most snaps, and where these guys are ultimately utilized on the field. And that is why we're going to discuss the review from how these guys did last season and then dive into the projection for how they may be used in the final segment in this season. And it's going to be very fun to watch how ultimately their usage did differ from last season going into next season. And while we've got you here, make sure to come connect with us on Twitter for all the coverage you need on the Los Angeles Rams. You can find me at QB's MEP and the page at Locked On Rams. Baseball season is in full swing and you can track all the action at BetOnline. This week has tons of sports action on the go as the NBA playoffs and the NHL playoffs are closing up and nearly getting to an end. Get all the latest news, odds, and info for all your sporting needs, including MLB, NBA, NHL, and all your UFC and MMA action. Before the next pitch, head over to BetOnline on your laptop or mobile device and check out all the great sporting news, sign-up bonuses, and contest information. Don't sit on the sidelines anymore as this is your chance to get into the game as teams prep for their runs to the playoffs. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Welcome back to the second segment of this wide receiver special Monday episode. You guys are probably hungover right now, but I hope you aren't. And if you are, well, maybe I'll help you get through that. You know, you got to pound some water. 
I've been through it once or twice. Maybe take a vitamin C pill or, uh, you know, maybe a Gatorade, something like that, a Pedialyte. I've never tried that, but I've heard those things are legit as well. So hopefully you guys are feeling a little bit better from that Sunday fun day, as people call it. But this segment, we're going to dive into the review of the wide receiver position for the Rams last year and taking a look at how these guys ultimately did, you know, where they were used, what they did well. And then in the final segment, we're going to contrast that and look at, you know, where these guys are going to be used next season. And I think that's probably going to be the golden token of today's episode is we're all curious how they're going to do next season. But to get a better idea, we can go back in time and look at how they did last season. And, you know, I've mentioned it many times, Woods and Cup, those are the two guys. Those are always going to be the two guys. 1A, 1B, I don't care how you slice it. You can give it to this guy or that guy. Those are the two weapons that the Rams are going to utilize the most. And it's honestly shocking how they did last season because Woods had 119 targets, Cup 118. Woods, 90 receptions, Cup 92. Woods, 936 receiving yards, Cup 974. Like, you're talking within inches of each other. First downs, Robert Woods, 46, Cooper Cup, 45. Like, it is so strange how similar these guys were and how similarly utilized they were. I mean, even in terms of the average depth of target, Woods, 6.8, Cup, 6.3, receiving yards per reception, 10.4 for Woods, 10.6 for Cup, Yak per reception, 5.7 for Woods, 5.8 for Cup. Like, it's honestly creepy, actually, how identical their stat lines nearly are. I mean, you're talking about two players utilized on the same team, on the same offense, in nearly an identical fashion. And it really just goes to show you how dependable these guys are, how consistent they are, but at the same time, how much they needed to find a different type of receiver that can complement what those guys do well, and maybe where they aren't so great, right? And I talked about the average depth of target. Both guys were in the six-yard range, And if you're throwing the ball six yards, you're obviously not throwing it very far downfield. And that's going to help defenses, you know, allow them to actually congest the field and play up a little bit and not be so worried about being beaten over the top. And that's why I've mentioned on this podcast many times why I think, you know, adding Stafford, adding Deshaun Jackson is going to be so important for this offense. But the guy that played that vertical role for the Rams last season, at least for the majority of the season, was Josh Reynolds because his average depth of target was 11.4 yards downfield. Now, Van Jefferson also did that. He had an 11.5 figure, but obviously he was only targeted 28 times on the season. So, you know, it was a relatively small sample size, whereas Josh Reynolds was targeted 77 times and he was the clear cut wide receiver three for the majority of the season. And he's no longer there. So everything that Reynolds brought to the table, those 77 targets, the 52 receptions, 618 receiving yards, you know, the big plays downfield, he had... 15 explosive pass plays, according to PFF, that's 15 plus yard pass catches, and somebody's going to have to replace that, and obviously the logical replacement is Deshaun Jackson, but I tend to think, like I said in the first segment, you know, it's going to be a fair comparison between Jackson and Jefferson to see, you know, who's going to get more usage, who's going to be used where, and ultimately how they're going to differ, but even when you look at just, you know, not even the receiver position, but the tight end position as well, Tyler Higby, yeah, he remains, and he's probably going to have a similar role to what he's had over the past four seasons for the Rams, but Gerald Everett, another guy that the Rams had, he's no longer there. He's now with the Seattle Seahawks. He had 59 targets for the team last year and 41 receptions. That was fifth on the roster, and he's no longer there. 
Do they have another tight end on the roster that they ultimately trust to step into that role that was that extensive? 59 targets. We're talking about a guy that was used pretty extensively last season. Now, you know, not as a tight end one, but do the Rams trust a guy like Bryson Hopkins or a Jacob Harris enough to really utilize a role that big? I tend to think that, you know, some of that usage is obviously going to trickle down to the tight end two that the Rams have ultimately this season, but a lot of it should also trickle down to the receivers that they have ultimately, you know, just moving that production a little bit from the tight end spot to the receiver spot, because now you have a lot of guys that could do different roles. So, you know, Van Jefferson, not used a ton last season, only 28 targets on the season, 19 receptions, 220 yards and 11 first downs, which is pretty surprising for a guy that didn't get that many passes, but clearly a guy that I think fits the mold of what the Rams want in the receivers, and that's a guy who's going to be very good at coming off the line of scrimmage with his release package, a guy that's going to be very good as a route runner. He knows how to set up his routes and how to work the progression of his routes and try to set up the positioning between himself and the leverage of the defender, all that kind of stuff. He's a very, very fine-tuned and legitimate receiver in the way that he knows how to separate, similar to a guy like Woods and Cup. But, but that's where things really get interesting because Jackson is now going to bring that skill set to the table that maybe they didn't have last year. Sure, you know, Josh Reynolds, Van Jefferson, they won downfield a little bit here and there, but at the end of the day, they weren't consistent to the point where, you know, if you need a big play or you have this guy on the field, teams are legitimately going to be worried and are going to have to either dedicate a extra safety to, you know, playing his side of the field deep or whatever the case is. I don't think defenses were really that aware or that concerned with these guys going deep and Jackson, you know, that's a different story. This is a guy who has been one of the best deep threats in NFL history, if not the best ever. I mean, you could make a case for it, I'm sure. Maybe not better than the Randy Mosses and guys like that. But if you're talking about guys that are just legitimately, you know, in that deep threat category, he has to be somewhere near the top. And sure, I know he's 34 years old and he hasn't been healthy lately and he can't really be relied on to, you know, catch 80 balls anymore or play 55, 60 snaps a game. But he doesn't have to do that for the Rams. All he has to do is line up out there, and that could be enough to either sway, you know, defenses into playing a little bit more conservatively, or you know, catch one big pass or two big passes, and then the defense is going to have to back off a little bit. So that's what's fun about the NFL here is everything is sort of like a domino effect, right? You do one thing, and it changes the way the opposing team is going to play or line up, and that's what ultimately I think is going to help the Rams going into this season. Maybe that didn't help so much last season because we look in 2018, the Rams had a very good offense. 2017, a very good offense. 2019, they took a big step back, but they were still a top half of the league offense. We're talking about a top 16, top 15 type of offense where last year, you know, they weren't even the top 20 in scoring. So something obviously happened. And, you know, you could talk about the regression at the quarterback spot, maybe Sean McVay not being 100% prepared, you know, maybe the running game not being as great as it was before, the O-line not being as good. And I'm sure all that stuff factored into it. But at the end of the day, they also lacked a little bit of talent at that receiver spot and not necessarily so much talent-wise, but more so role-wise because all guys were similar Josh Reynolds didn't bring anything to the table that Woods and Cup didn't have. And ultimately, I think that just really lessened what the Rams could do on offense. You know, 
They can't call all these deep passing plays, and when they do, maybe they're not getting open. Maybe Jared Goff's not looking down the field. I think all of that stuff played a role and was ultimately why the Rams couldn't field the best offense that they could have last season. But I don't think that should be an issue going into this season. It seems like they were incessant on doubling down at the receiver spot, trying to infuse a lot more speed into that room and try to get the most production out of these guys. And that's why we're going to spend the final segment diving into the projection for all of these guys into this next season. And while we've got you, make sure to check back in with us here at the Locked on Rams podcast throughout the week when we continue our training camp positional review series, as well as some interesting comments from left tackle Andrew Whitworth suggesting this may be his final season in the NFL. The fitness industry is incredibly confusing and oversaturated with BS. I'd like to think that my word holds a lot of weight as I've lost 155 pounds over the last two and a half years. Throughout that time, I was looking for the best protein bar, the best protein company, and finally found one called the Built Bar. I'm telling you guys, there is nothing quite like it. They have so many delicious flavors. They're also super delicious. They're healthy. They're low in calories, low in sugar. They have 19 grams of protein per bar. They're high in fiber. And they even work for you on a keto diet. And the texture is unlike any other protein bar I've ever tried. You even get a free cooler with your purchase while the supplies last. All you have to do is just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCK15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. Folks, are you having any car troubles? Do you ever go outside to find your car tires flat or your car won't even start? Well, you should absolutely check out RockAuto.com for your service needs. Rock Auto is a family-owned business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. You heard me correctly, two decades. We know there's no better time than right now to support family-owned businesses with this COVID stuff we got going on. So if you can, I try and urge you to do that. If you're a person who likes to fix things yourself or you're a professional and you're looking for reliably low prices, you should check out Rock Auto. All you have to do is just go to their website and check out all their available parts. If your car needs it, there's a good chance that they've got it. Amazing selections, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Get all the sports news you need in under 20 minutes with the Locked On Today podcast. Host Peter Bukowski updates you on the latest news in every major sport with the help of our local experts. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the final segment of this wide receiver special episode of the Locked On Rams podcast. I'm your host, Sosa Kermendez, and I appreciate you guys for making it this far into the episode. And this is the golden grail, the moment that we've all been waiting for, the segment that probably means the most, and that is the projection going into next season for the wide receiver position for the Rams. Now, you know, it's going to be very hard for me to 100% predict everyone's stat line. That's not going to be realistic. But, you know, when we look at this position, it's fun to look at how much productivity are these guys going to bring to the table Where are they going to be used? And ultimately, how much are they going to be used? Because we know Woods and Cup are solidified in their roles as the 1A and 1B receivers. The Rams didn't go get a Julio Jones. So there's going to be no impedance in terms of their production this season. I think we can expect something similar to last season. Maybe a slight boost in terms of the yardage. Obviously, Woods nor Cup cracked 1K receiving yards last year. 1K meaning 1,000 if you don't know. Now they also have an extra game on the schedule. So it's going to make it just a little bit easier to break that 1,000-yard barrier, which both guys have done in the past. So I tend to think that the targets, the receptions, that stuff should be very similar for both Woods and Cup. And they should play you know, 90 95% of the snaps, barring any kind of injuries. Just the yardage, I think, will be a little bit different. Instead of 930 and 970 yards, you could be looking at guys that reach that 1,000, 
1,100-yard-ish mark. I think that's very fair to expect out of these guys, but that was not the fun topic. That's not the interesting discussion here. What's interesting is what's going to happen after those guys. Who's going to be the next up at the receiver spot? How much are they going to bring to the table? Where are they going to be used? And ultimately, how are they going to split the playing time here? Like I said before, I tend to think that it is going to be Deshaun Jackson that leads the way at that receiver three spot. But when I look at Josh Reynolds' production from last season, we mentioned it earlier, the 77 targets, the 52 receptions, 618 receiving yards. I don't think Deshaun Jackson is necessarily going to grab all of that and then leave Van Jefferson with a very, very small version of what he had last year. I tend to think it'll probably be somewhere between that 60-40 type of split where, you know, Deshaun Jackson might be earmarked for 55-60 targets, whereas a guy like Van Jefferson might be in the range of 35-40, maybe 45 type of targets. So, you know, I think it's going to be very close between those guys, but When you're talking about a guy who's going to win more vertically, a guy who's going to take a lot of those deep shots and hopefully have a lot of production down the field, which is obviously the reason the Rams added him. I do believe that's going to be Deshaun Jackson. You know, that's his role. That's what he's going to bring to the table here. If we're talking about his average depth of target, you know, that might be somewhere in that 15, 16, 17, maybe even 18 range, somewhere high up there. I would not be shocked if, you know, he's somewhere in the top, 10 top 15 of all receivers when you take out small sample sizes of course in terms of the average depth of target I really think that Stafford is going to push that ball deep and McVeigh is really really going to be incessant on including that new style of offense and that new factor within his offense to try and open up the rest of his offense. It's going to make the running game easier. It's going to make the quarterback's job easier. It's going to make every other receiver and tight end that operates underneath in the middle areas of the field or in the short to intermediate route ranges. It's going to make their jobs easier too. So once the deep passing game starts to click, I really think this offense is going to get off the ground, so to speak. And not only that, but it's hard to consistently be a good offense and have to score, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 play drives. That is not realistic. Nobody does that. The best offenses, yeah, they can do that every now and again, but in the series that they can't have a 14 or 15 play drive, they score in three plays or in six plays because they can create those 40, 50, 60 yard touchdowns that the Rams just couldn't do last season. So I tend to believe that Jackson will be leading the way at the wide receiver three spot. Van Jefferson coming in behind him somewhere in that range of 60 to 40 targets or, you know, 65 to 45, something like that. We're going to see exactly how it breaks down. The yardage is going to be interesting to see as well. You know, I think Deshaun Jackson may be in that 600-yard-ish mark where Van Jefferson might be in that 400-yard-ish mark. Again, hard to say just in terms of how much the Rams really throw the ball next season, but that's what I believe is going to happen here. And that does leave us with the final man, in this room that I think is going to have a legitimate role and that's Tutu Atwell and you know I don't know how much he's necessarily going to be used as a receiver probably going to be a very very small amount we're talking maybe you know 10 targets on the season where they're just trying to get him a few bubble screens or you know maybe one or two deep shots or something like that but I believe it's going to be a lot more gadget style usage like I said the screens the jet sweeps coming out of the backfield maybe even lining up in the backfield as a receiver the punt return game, the kick return game, he should be able to get, you know, four to six, maybe eight touches per game, but it's not necessarily going to be just as a receiver. So if you're looking for him to put together a productive season as a rookie receiver, probably not going to happen, especially when you look back to last season, 
Van Jefferson only had 19 receptions for 220 yards, and obviously that's not a lot. And now the receiver room is even more crowded than it was last season, so it's just not realistic to expect Atwell to have 400 receiving yards or whatever the case is. Probably going to be somewhere in the range of 100, 150 receiving yards, a lot of which is going to come yardage after the catch or maybe even catches behind the line of scrimmage. You know, you're talking coming out of the backfield and swing passes or bubble screens or whatever the case is. He should have somewhat of a role. It will be a fun role to watch and, you know, just see how it develops over the course of the season, but it's not going to be an extensive receiver role. You know, that's going to be left for Woods and Cup as your 1A and 1B receivers. Then as your vertical deep threat and your receiver three, I believe, That should 100% be Deshaun Jackson, in my opinion, you know, barring anything crazy if he slows down or gets, you know, super old in terms of the aging and just can't run anymore. Yeah, then you might transition to a Van Jefferson getting the majority of snaps at receiver three, but there should be enough footballs and production to go around for everybody because the passing game got better with Matthew Stafford's addition. That is the first and biggest key here. Jared Goff is no longer the quarterback. I believe this passing game will develop a lot more downfield. It's going to be a lot more vertical and stretching the field horizontally as much as possible. So that's the first key. The second key, you lose Josh Reynolds, you lose Gerald Everett, you lose some of these other guys that were relatively productive. And that opens up a lot of production or possibilities for the remaining guys. You know, Cup and Woods, probably not going to see much of an uptick at all. But that's where the Deshaun Jacksons, the Van Jeffersons, the Tutu Atwells can start to you know, impact how this offense performs because there is going to be opportunities for these guys to make plays and maybe not necessarily 10 targets per game. But if you have two targets that are both downfield throws and you beat the defense, you can have a lasting impact on the football field by scoring a 40-yard touchdown, even if that's the only pass you catch in a game. So This offense is so intriguing to me. You know, I believe it's going to be so much better than it was in 2020. I think it's going to be better than it was in 2019. I'm not sure that it's going to be as good as it was in 2018 because the offensive line is the one area that definitely does still, you know, worry me a little bit. I'm not sure how much time Matthew Stafford is going to have to throw the ball or that the running game can average five or five and a half yards per carry or, you know, be absolutely dominant like they were in 2018 with Todd Gurley and those guys. But when you're looking at this offense, It's very, very hard to not believe that it will be better. So I do think it's going to be better. I think it's going to be more exciting. I think they're going to be much more of a big play, big strike type of offense. But at the same time, you know Sean McVay wants to run that outside zone. You know Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are going to catch their passes and create yardage after the catch. And this is what makes this offense so fun. To me, you know, the floor might be a top 10 type of offense where, you know, the ceiling there might not be a ceiling. This could be the best offense in football next year. I'm not necessarily sure that it's you know realistic to expect him to catch fire right out of the gate and expect him to be the best offense. But you know, with all the additions, with all the money spent, with all the assets used, the draft picks and everything, to me, it would be a disappointment if this offense is not within the top eight offenses in football, maybe the top six. And so I expect it to be there. That's my stance. I'm going to post my hot take right here, right now. We're looking at a top six offense in football, whether that's you know by way of yardage or points per game, whatever the case is. I think we're looking at a top six offense here. This is a productive offense. It's a new one, and it's going to be a very interesting one to see how the new quarterback, the new offense, you know, the new pieces there, the old head coach, but potentially you know running this new offense is going to all mesh. It's super super fascinating. I think you know it's anyone's guess at this point. Are they going to be better? Are they not? How are they going to do it? But, you know, you look at Sean McVay, one of the best offensive minds in football. 
You have to give him the benefit of the doubt here. He finally got his quarterback, no longer inheriting a different guy. And I'm super, super fascinated to see how it's going to work out because at the end of the day, how good this offense does, I think is going to really dictate how good this season is for the Los Angeles Rams. That's going to do it for this episode and the wide receiver positional training camp preview. Make sure to keep checking back in with us here at the Locked on Rams podcast. We're going to continue breaking down the positions one by one, as well as taking a look at whether or not this is the final season for left tackle Andrew Whitworth later this week. And just a reminder, you can come connect with us on Twitter at QB's MVP or at Lockdown Rams. Please subscribe or follow to get our latest episodes, content, breaking news, and a whole lot more.